Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Just Two Dads uh, with my co-host, Mr. Sean Francis. I am Brian Altunian, and today, episode 146, we are finishing our two-part, uh, our, our two, our two-part episodic arc on uh, on going back to school. Last week, we had San, uh, Sandy Santero, our IEP advocate. Today, we have an attorney who specializes um, in special uh, with special needs families and advocates for special needs families. So excited to have this conversation with Frank. You're going to love him. Um, really committed and dedicated. And so another episode of Just Your Dads coming your way. Welcome back, everybody. I am Brian Altunian, along with my co-host and partner in Thrive, my colleague, my business partner, Mr. Sean Francis. Uh, today, we are recording episode number 146. Three years ago, Sean and I decided to talk about the things that we do. We're both in the financial services business, and we were, we were, we were forming um, our initiative around special needs families, since we're both fathers of children who've been dealing with special needs issues. And uh, we thought, you know, we kept in, we kept meeting some really fabulous people who are servicing the special needs community. And we thought, man, more people should know about these folks. And when our children were diagnosed, we didn't have access to a lot of resources. Uh, in my case, I don't know, the, the Internet was still I was still accessing everything on Prodigy, if you can imagine, an AOL. And uh, so uh, we decided to put together this uh, this podcast to uh, shine a light on those folks who are doing some great things for the special needs community. Today's guest is no exception. Um, before we jump into it with uh, with our guest, we want a couple things. Shout out to people who are joining us on Facebook Live. Um, please leave comments, uh, share with your friends and family. Uh, look forward to uh, to hearing what you have to say if you're catching us after the fact on our YouTube channel at uh, at Just Two Dads. Uh, you can again subscribe. Please share with your friends. This information is so valuable. Uh, anybody, while uh, Frank is located in California, the stuff that he's going to be talking about is uh, is uh, basically can be done on a nationwide level. So uh, share with folks who are looking for some advocacy uh, from an attorney. Uh, if you're hearing us on podcast outlets, welcome and WSTX AM radio on the U- in the U.S. Virgin Islands, where where Sean was was born and where still has uh, family and some roots. Uh, thanks for making us part of your listening day. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, to today's conversations. Without further ado, um, uh, let me just say this last thing. Sorry, Sean, I jumped in. If you want to send us a note, send us a note to at wearejusttodads at gmail.com. That's all one word. We are just two dads at gmail.com. Let us know if you have any questions, thoughts, guests that you think we should be talking to um, and anything about today's guests. And we will hook you up, connect you with the with uh with today's guest frank and and i love the fact that my daughter jordan is uh joe leah you'll see frank in the comments joe is uh one of our um our regular listeners um and uh, participants so uh, hi joe all right without further ado i'm going to throw it over to, to sean to introduce frank and get into today's conversation you're going to love it go ahead bud. glad to be here thankful and uh grateful as always um you know our our guest, one of the great things about being a part of this community is you continue to meet um, uh, wonderful people that are just uh, advocates and warriors. And our guest today is um, no um, uh, exception. As a matter of fact, uh, I was at an event 
for the special needs network. They are a friend of the show, as is their founder, Ariva Martin. They had a back to school event, fantastic organization. And it was a windy day. I was getting my booth set up, my table and everything. And Frank was sitting across from me, looked over kind of once or twice and must have really felt for me because as I was putting the tablecloth on the uh, on the table, the wind was getting the better of me. And he just came over and goes, uh, would you would you like some help? <laughs> and from from that moment, it wasn't what he said, but how he said it made me think, you know what, I, I, I need to uh, I, I need to get to know him. And I saw the way he acted with people and interacted and carried himself. You know, one of the things you can do for yourself as a favor as you get older in this life is make sure that your consciousness, your antenna, so to speak, is up. You can never know too many good people. And when you see them in your presence, make sure that you acknowledge them um, and you make them a part of the circle and add value to their time, because that's exactly what this man is going to do here today. He is an attorney who fights for um, educational rights for those with special needs. Please welcome to Just Two Dads, Frank Zankich. Frank, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Good to have you, Frank. By the way, Sean, I just oh. want to say one thing. I, th- I think it's a yeah. good thing, right? Because people like Frank who who acknowledge and, and extend a hand, that's too rare, right? That should not be the exception to the rule. That's that a should be the rule, right? Yes. So uh, thank you, Frank, for being just a model, you know, uh, a model partner in this life, in this, in this, in this human life that we're in. I appreciate you extending that time and we need more people like you. So just wanted to yes. comment. And I think we should all be looking for opportunities to do that for other folks and look for folks who extend their hands because it makes such a difference in the world. So on, on, and Frank, on you, you, you probably don't you probably don't see yourself as a hero. Um, you know, no, but- no, I mean, I am, uh, I do get paid for this. I'm not a saint, uh, but, uh, but here's I, the thing. Most, most heroes don't walk around saying I'm a hero. Right? right. So, and most heroes have powers and our superpowers come from, I just said ours though. I'm saying I'm a hero. Wow. <laughs> most, he- most, most heroes have superpowers, and the- but here's, you know, you know what? I believe all human beings have the capability to be heroes. And everyone has superpowers of some kind. Some of us just haven't discovered them yet. But those who are doing work of service and are living out the actions and the words of Muhammad Ali, which is that service to others is the rent we pay for our room here on earth, those powers come from an origin. And so tell us a bit about yourself, where you come from, your upbringing, and what got you into the special needs community. Because some of us are members of this community um, by circumstance, by the birth of our child. Some of us are here because... Uh, we completely choose to be. Tell us about your path and um, how you got where you are today. Born and raised in Southern California. Uh, Grew up uh, in San Pedro. uh, And uh, my father was an attorney. And I felt the best that I go into the same profession. Uh, Started off, uh, I've been practicing law for like 37 years. Uh, Started off in the construction industry and met a lot of different people and uh, as as you go on with your profession, you you know you got the the young guy in the firm. He came along, uh, and I was mentoring him. And then uh, the construction uh, industry just fell, and that this this young young buck that I was uh, mentoring, his name is Keith Davis, also an attorney. Uh, he uh, he. He saw me floundering in the construction industry because all my clients are going bankrupt. Uh, and uh, he was doing special ed law at that time. And uh, he oh. offered to mentor me. And so 
Wow. Got, that's how I got into the. How uh, long? How long ago was that? That was like uh, about over ten years ago. And wow. uh, yeah, he was. He actually practices in the inner city, and uh, got a lot of experience. He's uh, connected with the regional center. And I think I know him of him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy, uh, and uh, he's. I mean, a competitor of mine. Uh, but as a, he doesn't look at it that way. He just looks at it like, uh, you know, we need more people in the industry and come aboard and here, I'll teach you what I can and then you can go on your own. I love that. I, I learned something early on when I was in, when I was doing consulting for, for, for business, businesses and business owners, there's no such thing as competition. Even if you're, com even if you're competing for the same client, the reality is we're all colleagues. And uh, I always say, look, you can look at your, at your competition as somebody who, if you've got a client that you don't mesh with particularly, that's somebody you refer to, to what I would say is your competition and vice versa. You actually end up sharing more resources than you do competing. I realize in a tight field, you know, you may be competing over a smaller number of clients, but but really, uh, I love that your perspective. And I mean, you meant he you mentored him. He mentored you. And and uh, I would say you guys are probably more colleagues than, than competition. Yeah, true. that's true. fantastic. That's, good. that's great. And you should have an abundance mindset. Anyway, there's more. I mean, how many billion people are there on the earth? Sure. And what's meant what's meant for you is meant for you. Uh -huh. So then tell us, Frank, talking about that transition then. What was, well, let me back up just a little. So um, are you married? Do you have any kids? Oh, married, uh, two kids. They're both uh, uh, have graduated. They have their jobs, living their own lives. Neurotypical, not, not, not special needs issues. Yes, yes. Love that. So, so then tell so, me so, that. Yeah, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I know ahead. you're going to yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, so again, when someone chooses our community and you're not a member of that community, you decide to go walk into it. Like I said, because of your nature and everything, you know, we'd be lying to say that you didn't rec recognize, okay, I'm practicing this area of law. It's less than stable. It's not profitable. I got to eat. So let me go in this direction. But I also don't think that it's as plain and simple as that because you don't strike yeah. me as such. So, you know, tell us about that transition, taking that step, and then what the first case was like yeah what was what was it about you could have gone into any area of law after leaving the construction business you could have gone into real estate that was a, seemed a natural transition or entertainment we're in southern california what was it about what keith was doing what was it about the special needs community that had you decide this is the area that i want to i want to go into i think that's fascinating uh, well i mean definitely it's nice to uh have that uh it's it's more fulfilling basically bottom line it's like mm. you, you're just in it for the buck at a certain point it just gets tiring it's like what what am i doing here it's like just fighting over money it's and that it's a completely different method of uh, practicing law also there's no timesheet uh, i'm fortunate enough that i can not bill the parents anything and uh get paid through from the, the school district through the, the mediation settlement process. And uh, that's, it's very freeing in that way. And then also just the satisfaction afterwards that, you know, you got the kid something better than they had before. Uh, you know, you're not in it to just get all, 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 all the special needs parents I have. They're not greedy. They're not just trying to get stuff. They're, they're right. just wanting a better life for their child. So, 
They just want accommodations and services and make sure that they've got whatever they can to make their children successful, right? Exactly, exactly. That's so interesting. I I never thought of that because it's one thing to consider for your own peace of mind being in an environment where either the nature of the environment causes you to be money hungry or if you're working for someone and you don't have your own firm or your own business – you have to be money hungry for them. And that that's one thing people think about, but I've never stopped to think about the atmosphere where your clients are either money hungry or driven by something less than purpose as well. Cause I, as you're saying that I tend to be very visual. I literally imagine you sitting in a, in a boardroom fighting over helping someone with their fight over some money that they're not going to necessarily starve if they don't get and just quote unquote petty things and being in the room physically, but being someplace else mentally, like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing here? You know, versus being in an atmosphere where you're engaged in the fight and um, the mental artillery, the Cape, whatever have you is on because it's like, I need to make sure that this person's needs are met. Something to be said for that, for anybody that that's listening, you know, at the end of the day, you know, and ask, ask yourself, how, how fulfilled do you feel about the work you do? Go ahead, Brian. Yeah. I was just saying, so, but just Frank, just so people understand if, and, and without giving any, any specific details. I, and I've had experience with, especially as attorney, very specifically for some stuff that, that happened with Jordan, but share with us some of the kinds of cases and some of the kinds of things that you're doing that you're adv- advocating for parents so that people understand where does it, because it's different than an IEP advocate, right? An IEP advocate can go and sit in an IEP. You could do that too, but it would, it would actually cost people money to do that. That's not, you're not sitting in an IEP per se, but share with us the kinds of, of cases that you take on that, that, that you, that you do. So people get a good understand because you're going to get paid by the regional center or the school district or whatever. And as to, to finish Sean's vision of what it is that you're doing, share with us some things that you're doing. Sure. Uh, just to go back to what Sean was talking about, uh, fighting for stuff. Uh, you're you're in a say a settlement meeting in construction law, and you're you're actually practically hands to you know just taking them on. It's almost physical. You're 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 yelling at each other. You're and um, spits coming out. It's like it's very aggressive. When you go to a settlement meeting for special needs. Uh, it's much more of a kumbaya type of situation. There's a lot of let's let's sit down and figure out what this kid needs and let's work it out. Um, it's not as aggressive. The opposing counsels that I deal with are good people. The the special ed directors, they once you get to that level, they they tend to especially for LAUSD, they tend to open their book. You get to see what services are actually available. They'll offer things that you didn't even ask for. Uh, recognizing the needs uh it's it's just more uh, let's all get together and work this out type of situation do you ever have an instance where you need to be a bulldog for your client because the district is being less than cooperative oh any yeah. district this isn't to point out LAUSD but right right definitely they, that that does come up and we have to go to trial once in a while uh but it's much less than you would think it's it the prop I would say maybe five percent of the cases. The rest of them is more. Let's just work this out. Let's get this done. Let me ask you a question. Uh, we we've had throughout. My son is um, seventeen. He's in his last year of high school. Gosh, that's just <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, and and we've been looking, you know, going down the conservatorship road and all that kind of stuff. So I'll be sharing that experience because I've learned a lot as much as I thought I knew as an advocate and working in financial services and everything prior. But I've always been of the mind, the district that our, our son is in, it happens to be in the Burbank district. And we've, uh, and we've had predominantly just great experience with supportive staff, teachers, you know, everything, anything that had to be, um, that we've, that we've needed. They've been reasonable about it in terms of, you know, conversation and everything. And prior to him and our other kids beginning school in that district, I thought right away that with few exceptions, you get in return that which you put out. So in other words, if I approach the district, um, you know, as a bulldog outwardly, so like, all right, like, I pitied a fool that won't give my child the rights that he deserves. You know, if I walk in there with that mentality, I'm going to get, well, I'm the fool that you're going to pity. And right away, there's, there's static, right? There's some exception to that. You know, and I think if I walk in prepared to do that, if it's necessary, but it's in my back pocket, it's going to be a more amicable and, you know, environment. But I know some parents in support groups that I belong to and some that are friends, and in some cases in the very same district, that have put on gloves and in some cases been ready to take them off and swing. What, what is your thought on my belief there that you kind of get what you give? You know, is that, is that my naivete? Am I, you know, is that, am I being Pollyanna? What, what would you say about that? No, I, I agree. Uh, in fact, quite often when a parent comes to me and it's uh, a smaller issue, I'll, I'll help them with the, with the tools to, to know what to ask for. You have to, and, th and different things like vernacular, you, you need to know what those initials all stand for and different things. And I'll help them and, and I'll say, do you know, if, I don't know what, you know, what kind of uh, relationship you have with your group, with the, the, the school district. Uh, but if, if you have a good relationship, why don't I stay on the sidelines? Why don't I just give you the, you know, what to ask for? And if that doesn't work, then we can start doing something where I write a letter on my letterhead or something. But a lot of the school districts, they start clamming up when they see an attorney involved. And so mm. uh, I, I completely agree with you. If, if you can go in with a nice attitude, it'd be, it, you can get a lot more done, typically. That's great. That confirms my, 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 my other thought. Sorry, Brian. I'm just going to say one thing, which is, yeah. you know, with our work in financial services, the way the industry works is it generally goes after and supposedly, quote unquote, helps wealthy people. Um, doesn't necessarily service people and leaves everybody else behind. And in some cases, wealthy people get left behind. The way that we work is very holistic. And I'll, the way that we approach that has affected between that and my experience with school districts has made me think, you know, in life, you need a, you need a team. So you should have a financial person, your doctor, you know, a, you know, a therapist, if need be, someone that helps you, you know, physically, whatever the case is. Would you say the same thing is wise when it comes to the district, in other words, as opposed to you being adversarial, though you want to be prepared in case that takes place, look at it as a thing. This is your child's team. I'm the coach of my child's team or the or the franchise owner. I'm looking to pick the people um, within the district, including the teacher, the aide, whoever, the therapist. We're a team. Would you would you say that that's a wise approach to take? Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, unfortunately, there's some people out there that are they take advantage of the special needs. Uh, area and there's some 
experts that charge a lot of money and it's it's difficult to find the right team let's put it that way yeah yeah but worthy yeah Go for ahead, sure sorry. so just i just want to again go go back to what are the kinds of things because we know what it takes to have an IEP what you know when you're asking for accommodations and services so where do you interact what are the kinds of things that you deal with so just so parents sure. have an idea. Uh, a lot of my cases i get uh, referrals from the department of mental health and child protective services for kids that are emotionally disturbed and so a lot of times these poor kids don't have the right medications to help them with those uh, problems and they have a lot of behavior issues. Uh, a lot of these kids need to go to what's called the most restrictive environment, and that's and their their placement is needs to be a residential home for a little bit of time at least. Uh, and they go there and they're able to get their medications. They're they're there for 24 hours. It's a boarding school, and they get their medications taken care of. They get to work on their coping skills and what to have what to do when they're having a a behavior issue, a tantrum or, or whatever. And uh, and then the school district has to pay for that. Uh, it's a strange thing we've done is we've pretty much closed all our mental, mental facilities and the school districts from three to 22 have the responsibility to take care of uh, our mentally ill children. And so they, they have to pay a lot of money. It's like over 10 grand a month uh, to house and wow. take care of these kids. But that they get funding for that, and that's available. And it's it's, it's a hard one to sell to the school district. They try everything out. Other than that, it's hard one to sell to the parents. The, the parents get uh, free uh, travel and uh, stipends to uh, eat and so much. Uh, uh, they get to go for like two times a year uh, to see their kids. And most of the places are out of state, and it's it's tough for the parents. It's tough for the kids. But it can be a relief for the families also, because if you have a kid that's got extreme behaviors, the whole family dynamics are all messed up. And so, you know, it's tough. So I want to, so I want to, I want to talk, address that, say two different things. First of all, what sounds like the services, you, you get engaged when something is required for our children that the that they're entitled to receive by the school district. Generally, the school district has to pay for it and they like to fight those kinds of things. So something that sort of falls outside what they would consider to be the normal scope of, of what their responsibilities are, they would hire an attorney such as yourself. We put your, your, your Zankic law, Zankic law up on the uh, zankichlaw.com for those who are listening. Z-A-N-K-I-C-H-L-A-W.com um, that they would, they would engage you to, to help them advocate for the district paying for those additional services or requirements. First of all, is that correct? That's correct. Great. Um, second of all, so this goes back to, to our particular case when, when Jordan was a freshman in high school, um, she was, had an IEP. She had uh, some, some, some learning dis disabilities and she had a, you know, she had a couple of classes that were, that were specially focused and some were mainstream classes. She was out of her classroom, uh, unsupervised, and um, met with a friend in the library who got very uh, upset with something that Jordan had done, grabbed her. She was working in the library at the time, 
grabbed her, pulled her into a storage room in this in the in the library, and grabbed a knife and slashed oh my, God. my daughter. Yeah, to the bone. By the way, it was it was pretty severe. She has a pretty na- massive massive scar. Um, in that particular case, and by the way, the minute we talked, we wanted to talk to the administration about their. I don't want to say their responsibility, but how we solve this issue. Why was Jordan unsupervised? Why was she out of class? Blah, blah, blah. They, A, immediately clammed up, pro- prohibited any of the teachers from communicating with us, and handed us pamphlets on self-mutilation and the dangers of, you know, what kids are doing. Um, that not only were they, were they, you know, preventing us from having engaged conversations so that we could solve this problem, but then they were intimating that, and by the way, the the principal at the time, at the time, said to us, well, Jordan, she's just a Bedinsky. She's just butting into other people's business as if she was vic- they were victim blaming and shaming and then putting it off as if it were something else. So in that particular case, we hired we hired a special needs attorney to work with us. And not only did Jordan get a settlement, but we ended up putting her into a, into a facility. Now, by the way, to your point, what you just said, sometimes we need to move the child for their, you know, for mental health support. But in other times, cases, you may need to have a facility for their protection. We, we felt that, you know, that, that, that at the time when she was young, she didn't have the ability to, to identify dangerous situations. And so in a, in a big school that she was in, in an LAUSD school, there was almost 4,000 students it would be difficult to navigate and determine what was safe and what was dangerous. And so the school district paid for that to your point. So that's a, that would be a service that they ended up paying for her to be, to be in a, in a boarding school environment out of state. Um, that was a difficult for all of us, but be for her protection. And, and in addition to that, Jordan was able to, to get a, a monetary settlement as well. Those are the the kinds of things that we're talking about, right? That's exactly the kind of t- situation that you would be engaged for. Yes. And then also for the uh, the girl with the knife, I would also represent her. Uh, she would be probably up for a uh, to be expelled from school, and they would have to do a manifestation uh, hearing to see if what her actions were a manifestation of her disability. And uh, and then I would show up to something like that. And actually, I don't get paid for that, uh, but I do I do that for free just because if a kid's going to get expelled, I want to make sure that something's there for them to they have a safety net. They have something. Safety net. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, yeah. As much as anger I, management for her, even some anger management support. Right. That she right. literally couldn't. Right. Which is right right from all in case. And then she's just acting without thinking uh, and you know, and thinking of the consequences and everything. Uh, she needs to learn the coping skills to, to calm herself down, definitely. Uh, and beautiful. so as much as I feel for your daughter, I also feel for the, the other so, girl too. And, we yeah. feel the same way, by the way. It was a horrible circumstance, mm-hmm. absolutely horrible circumstance. You know, you know what's interesting though? And this is why you know we say this, I say this so much, Brian, I'm always talking about your consciousness. Raise your consciousness. Think about what you think about. I know the story because Brian and I are friends and we've been doing this show. And we, you know, I, the one detail I didn't necessarily know is I, I didn't know that the school was, was out of state, but until you mentioned the other girl, Frank, and I'm Brian, you know me, I'm very 
questions are more powerful than statements. When someone, nobody wakes up one day and just does something. You have to ask why. How did someone arrive at that point? I never once thought about why that girl did what she did. I never thought about the preventative measure of making sure that doesn't happen again in terms of, well, why did she do that? Is there a history of it? How do we help her to make sure she doesn't harm herself or someone else down the line? Because all I did is listen to you and receive it from a parent's perspective. Because the first thing I'm thinking is, oh my gosh, something like that happened with Elijah. Like, what, like, what would I do? The closest I came to thinking about the other person is like, you know, you want somebody to answer for that, but you're going to not go, go put your hands on some kid. But at the same time, your thought is like, I don't care who you are. If you touch my kid, I'm like, do you know what I mean? And and, it, and we have to think as broadly as we possibly can and ask those questions. So, you know, now I'm entering the ramble zone, but it's true in that whatever I, anything that I say that anybody finds to be like remotely profound, it's never like, here's what I figured out and what I've mastered. It's like, here's what I'm figuring out as I go through this thing called life. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, the school in the storage room that they're in, uh, nobody could get into the storage room. The girl had locked the door. And so there was no way to get into the storage oh room. But, by the way, she could have bled out. Jordan could have could have bled out. Luckily, the girl like was shocked into actually trying to help her and trying to stop the bleeding and uh, and and let somebody in. I realized that it was out of her. So out of her realm of thinking that she wow. needed help. She needed to open the door and get some and get some help in there. And, um, and, and yeah. And by the way, it's a shock as a parent to hear those kinds of. And the call I got from the from the principal at the time was, "The ambulance is taking your daughter to school. She's okay, but we haven't found it's the okay. weapon. <laughs> we haven't found the weapon." Wow! Oh my God! I'm like, wow! What are you talking about? I was and I was in a meeting and I didn't have my car. I was driven to the meeting in a in the end of San Fernando Valley, so it was pretty far away for those that know Los Angeles, <laughs> and uh, having to get there with all these thoughts going through my head, and then to and then to basically be blamed, as Jordan was being blamed for butting into somebody else's uh, personal business. Um, so, I am grateful that there are attorneys such as yourself serving our community because, as a parent, first of all, as a parent of your child's ever assaulted, that's step one is John saying like, how do you deal with all of that? But two is what are your rights? And what are the protections that should be in place for our children? If they're in a mainstream school, um, mm -hmm. what are the things to look out for? Uh, and, and what's the school district liable for, you know, as a response to some of this? Uh, and so again, I, and you really, we only, we've only given you a chance to really <laughs> Talk a little and bit. I just, and, I, and I just, I just thought of something, Brian. The one thing we've done, we're so taken with everything about Frank's story and yeah. his work that I got to ask him this, which we've never done, which is okay. So it's the new school year, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether, whether it's a new school, first year of high school, first time going to school at all, as a child who is, uh, and tell us if there's two different answers: whether you actually have a, a diagnosis or if you're going through early intervention because there's a suspicion of a diagnosis. What are some of the things to get ready for, for the school year in terms of your rights? And to the, our listening audience, we apologize that this question is coming in 30 minutes. And even though we've called it a back to school session, we're, we're just, calling it a back to school. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, so if you have a suspicion that your child has a special need, uh, basically that they're not 
performing at grade level or they're not uh, socially uh, at the same stages as, as their peers, uh, get an assessment. Uh, you have to do in writing, go to them and say, I want a special needs assessment. Uh, technically, it's called the psychoeducational assessment. That's the first one they do. Uh, but you don't have to use those words. Just say you want a special needs assessment. And uh, within 15 days, they're supposed to provide you with a, a document that you authorize the assessment, and then they start that. And I believe they have 60 days in order to create that assessment and have an IEP meeting. And then you discuss what the results of that assessment are. Uh, and as far as what what's available once you've been assessed as needing special needs, basically they have to provide the placement and accommodations for your child to make progress. Progress is a very uh, vague word, but uh, ultimately they need to do better this year than they did last year. Uh, and keeping track of that is difficult. Uh, quite often, uh, the, the best way is that if you get an assessment every three years and you can look back and look at the prior assessment and look at the current assessment and see how their, their scores have gone up. Uh, everything from their, uh, the reading levels to their math abilities, to their, uh, social, uh, emotional needs. Uh, mm -hmm. so it's a difficult thing to do. We're dealing with experts and the people in the school district, they are experts in their field and they'll give you a, document that's uh, difficult for us lay people to understand. But overall, you can tell if your child's doing better than they were or, or regressing. Mm -hmm. unfortunately, Great. Unfortunately, during COVID, a lot of kids regressed and yeah. uh, they have a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. yeah. And the one thing that everybody has to remember, we always talk about this when it comes to the IEP, especially when you're having your, your, your first one. You mentioned professionals, people here, you know, um, doctors, attorneys, whatever have you. They hear a title next to a name and they might forget the title that they have. The fact that they're a parent, that's their child. So when the expert puts a document in front of you at the end of this meeting where visually it can be adversarial because you're sitting at a table on this side with your child and they're at a table in front of you all in a row. <laughs> the first thing is to remember that they are there for you. It's not as adversarial. Don't get don't get sucked into the the optics. They are there for you. They are there to do. You know, you're not above them, but they're neither are they above you. And they're there to do the bidding for your child, so to speak. Just because they put a document in front of you at the end of it, doesn't mean that you need to sign it. And then when it comes to the IEP and the rights and everything, several things to remember. The only stupid question is the one that you don't ask. And then number two, much less like we talk about estate planning and we talk about wills and trusts those things can be as specific as you want and they should be so too should an iep be as well in other words what do you really want your child's day to look like in personal development we talk about mapping out the perfect life by writing your you know having a vision writing it down whether you have a vision board affirmations whatever have you what kind of affirmations or vision do you have for the life that you want your child to have financial planning and everything deals with after you're gone or when they grow up, but with the school day, the school year, what do you want that to look like? Get that in writing because sometimes people are, you know, we're just so busy thinking of, I got to make sure my child gets through the day. 
you're not even thinking about what you want their day to look like. No, absolutely. It should be a, the IEP document should be as specific as we can make it. Uh, for instance, a lot of times the kids uh, go in small groups and they, they work on, say, math and they call it RSP. And the RSP can be a push in where the, 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 a person comes in and works with that small group or they push out where they go to like the library or somewhere and they work on their subject matter. And the different children are, you know, different in the ways they can learn. You could have a, a child that doesn't want to be uh, different than all the other kids. And the fact that he has to leave the classroom, that really bugs them. And he'll, mm -hmm. uh, or you have a child that's very uh, distracted when he's in the classroom. And he does really good in a small group <laughs> in, a, in, a, in like the library. And so, you, you know, as a parent, you know your child and you want you do you want the best scenario. And so get that written in there. Like, how how's yeah, this good happen as a group? And a lot of a lot of kids have problems with their articulation. They can't pronounce things right. And the, the schools quite often put the kids in a in a group speech and, and language uh, session. And you can't learn articulation that way. You, mm -hmm. you learn it, you learn it uh, on an individual basis. So you have to specify you want the individual services. Uh, yeah. And, and, and if they don't agree with you, that's fine. But make sure it's in the notes about that you brought it up and they didn't agree with that. And then mm -hmm. when somebody like me looks at it, I know to focus on that and uh, work on the best thing for the kid. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's uh you're you know, seeing it, a lot it, it's, it, of go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just no. gonna say, so I mentioned a lot Elijah, Elijah's in his last year of school. <clears throat> and I don't I, I think it might be strong to say that there's regret, but sometimes I think back to if you had it to do all over again, what might you do differently? <clears throat> and I think I'm I, I should ask my wife this because we haven't really talked a lot about it, but I'm curious as to what thought is as to what we might do differently um because you know like albert einstein said uh, you know a problem can't be solved at the same level of consciousness that at which it occurs and so when you're in the middle of the storm and in the in the eye it's hard to kind of look right around you need to be able to step out and take an objective look and as we look back i just wonder and some of it is because i know more now than i did when he was diagnosed we both do um but I always, you know, wonder like what might be done differently. And so the one thing I would say to anybody within the um, uh, sound of my voice is to give yourself some grace too, because yeah. as it is, when a diagnosis comes, generally speaking, and maybe even more so with men, we're like, uh, what did I do wrong? Could I have done this? Is it my genealogy? Is it this? Is it that? You know, you take a lot on. So the same thing takes place as you're going through these fights with, uh, whether it's uh, treatment, therapy, whatever the case might be, whether you're talking about generally speaking with life skills or education. And so, um, you know, allow yourself to, you know, give give yourself some grace. I guess that's that's what I'm saying. And, you know, maybe I'm not talking to anybody but myself. No, no, I hear it a lot. A lot of the parents are saying, oh, I wish I would have known, you know, me before because, you know, I, I could answer some questions and, and they may have fought for more things. Uh, and I, I usually tell them, just look at the future. I mean, you, it's good, you know, you found me or, or you know, you, you, you fought for your things and you did a good job fighting for things. But now let's just look at the future. If I was talking to you, I'd be going, well, is your 
child going to graduate or not? Uh, should they be graduating? Is that the best thing for them? Uh, for for typical children, yeah, graduation, a diploma is it. But for special needs kids, sometimes a certificate of completion is the best thing. They stay in school longer. Most special needs kids uh, develop socially uh, slower. And so staying in school for an extra few years can really help them. Uh, sure. And, and then the other thing would be community college. It's quite, I mean, they have a lot of great programs. A lot of, even the four-year schools have, have good programs for the special needs kids. A lot of them allege that the child uh, show up in the summer and live in the dorms with no kids on campus. And they get to, they get to, they get to be, they be there and start learning everything slowly. And, and then when the schools all, I mean, when the, all the, the classmates come on campus, they're better equipped to, to take on the school year. Interesting. So, that's fascinating. Yeah. You went someplace I wasn't even thinking of, which is great in terms of the difference between the certificate and the diploma. And you've got my wheels turning because we're going through the next steps as well. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. By the way, when I went to UCLA, I, I went to I went to summer school between graduating high school and the fall. And it was the best thing I felt when I got onto campus when the fall quarter started. I was like a veteran. So I think that being on that in that environment, I think is great. What I was going to ask you, Frank, is that is is mental health post pandemic seems to be a very big a very big thing. And uh, Is this another area that you that your practice, you know, you focus on getting again, certain accommodations and support for, for kids who are dealing with mental health issues? Oh, definitely. Uh, a lot of kids uh, thrived with the, with the virtual learning uh, because they, they didn't need the socialization. And then a lot of kids became, uh, I forgot the name of it, where, where you just want to stay in, inside. You don't want to go out. You're afraid to go out. Uh, agoraphobic. So, agoraphobic. That's it. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and uh, and so for those kids, I've got the parents saying, I can't get him to go to school. He's just deathly afraid. Of, he's got his anxiety. And uh, so with that type of situation, the school has an obligation to help the parent offsite to bring counselors over to the house and help that mm -hmm. child make it into the classroom setting. Uh, of course, you know, you're not going to do it by force. You're going to get them to cooperate. And, and then uh, we can work things out where we fade the child in. So he'll do, you know, one class a day for a little while and then, you know, gradually bump it up and two, three and, and sooner or later the whole school day. But uh, everybody, you know, figures things out and learns things differently. And so especially special needs kids. And so there's the school district has to work with everybody and get them back into to, to go into the classroom. Let me ask you this, Frank. Um, in, in, in the state of California, especially in Southern California, there are more uh, services and rights and benefits than most have in other parts of the country when it comes to special needs, um, not just special education. And we always say that a lot of the rights that you have, you know, they're there for you. You just have to ask, but you can't ask if you don't know. Right. Um, for instance, when Elijah um, you know, was still wearing pull-ups, the regional center would pay for those things to be um, brought to the home, and we didn't have to pay for those. But I don't, I'm not sure how we find out. My, you know, that's my wife is the the research queen; she'll find those things out. 
if someone is getting ready for school or, or you know, or, or they don't, they have all these things that they're uh, available to them, like some of the stuff you mentioned, those items, I didn't even know that those were rights. Where might someone be able to find a list of the rights that they have or that they are entitled to? Is is there, in fact, one resource or one site or where might you suggest somebody start to look? Uh, well, the best thing I've seen is that uh, to join a, a group, uh, like a special needs group, uh, they have mm -hmm. a lot. They have some for dads. They have some for, you know, the family uh, and uh, just reach out to that group and to probably somebody that's experienced the same things you have and that can help you out with those resources. Uh, the regional center is supposed to be there for you uh, to help you with the, much of that. Uh, and I would like to touch upon uh, the, the uh, talking about the services. They're not equal at all, uh, depending on where you live. If you mm -hmm. live out in Allo Valley per se, or even further out towards bar stores in that area, they mm -hmm. just don't have the services. They're just not available. Uh, the, the special needs uh, departments in the school district would say, yeah, you can have, a, a, say, a vision assessment, but there's nobody out here to do it. Uh, mm. Go all the way back down to, to uh, Bakersfield or so. And, and, and so for, for those that are listening outside of California, these are more rural areas that, that, that Frank is referring to. And it's hard for me to say it to the parent, but I come out and just say, you know, you got to move <laughs> for the benefit of your yeah. child. And, Interesting. And, and it's, you know, it's like, how, who am I to say that? It's like, uh, I don't know what their situation is. I don't know why they're there, if it's financial, if it's because of their job. And it must be tough on them. Uh, that's all I can say. It's like they, they know that they don't have the same resources. And uh, it's just fact of life it's if you're yeah. living in a rural area you don't have the same things available to you yeah it's a challenge for sure <laughs> that's interesting before as we're as we're kind of winding down uh, that's a that was a phenomenal point thank you for doing that are there other things like that that be, i don't want to miss the opportunity are there other things that you think that folks who are listening should know um that are similar to that, other issues that they should be aware of. Uh, yeah, one is uh, if your child is non-communicative, non-verbal, uh, definitely push the school to get uh, different uh, assessments. One's called an AAC assessment. It's augmentative communication assessment. And it's basically a way for your child to communicate. If it's not going to be by words, then maybe it's flashcards. Maybe it's with an iPad. Uh, get that child to be communicative to communicate because other if you can't communicate then the all the kids have behaviors and and because they're just so frustrated they're so they're just they just want to be heard and the, and the behavior yeah. is the only way they can feel that they're being heard and so if you're having that problem definitely push the school to try to get that child to be able to communicate i think it's the most important beautiful and, and by the way even those that you know have what we call neurotypical children sometimes still have issues communicating their needs or communicating, you know, a, a, you know, a, a deficiency or lack of or something. I, I, I we hear so many, so many instances of folks who are diagnosed with dyslexia as an adult and they go back, Oh my gosh, if I'd only been diagnosed when I was going through school and had the help and the support, 
it would have changed my entire, you know, educational experience. And so, I've heard this amazing things when it comes to vision, uh, sometimes just putting a cellophane sheet with a different color on it helps that child slow down and be able to read the whole page without scrambled words. And, and it makes a hell of a difference. Wow. It's, it's like a magic bullet and it just takes the right assessment and the right person knowing what to do. So that's beautiful. That's fantastic. Sean, any last uh, no. questions before we ask the question? <laughs> um, no, I just uh, sort of having this uh, revelation with a lot of things around me lately, you know, listening to a, another podcast uh, recently talking about the, how much, two things, you know, uh, how, how much, you know, our true selves, you know, I always talk about, you know, we're close as, as close to perfect as we're ever going to be, unfortunately, when we're born, the younger we are, the, tr the, you know, before the world gets to us, we're our true self. And when you think about it, let me back up. I, I developed a, a new level of empathy for those that actually have a diagnosis and starting with my son, because if you think about for someone that doesn't have a diagnosis of any kind and is quote unquote neurotypical, they are going to, there's going to be a line of demarcation in that person's life at a certain age. Not everyone's age is the same where they start to become less of their true selves and who their environment says they should be, whether it's your parents that, you know, put a religion upon you or, you know, or whatever have you. That's without a diagnosis. When you're younger, you know, and even the diagnosis is there is, and the changes are there, you're probably, you know, forced or guided towards being even less of your truer self. And the, the appreciation that I've had this past week is that, man, you know, when you, when you're, expressing yourself and you have a need, especially if you can't verbalize it or whatever. Um, some of our kids are better at being their true selves than we may be, you know, filters gone and they're just so like, here's what I need, you know, and I don't know. That's just an observation. I, I can't believe I, I answered. I'm I'm just going to tell you this. So Susanna Peace Lavelle, who we've had on our, as a friend of our show, we've had as a as a guest several times, she's an advocate and she's a coach for special needs families. She's written a book and in her book, she, she writes a lot about the, being the mother of a child with autism and her, she asked her daughter, Arizona, to basically write her forward. And one of the things that Arizona said, she's now 17 and, uh, and, and has autism, um, is, is that everybody should be true to their self, their true self. And in fact, that has become the title of Susanna's book, which is going to be released as sometime before the end of the year called Your True Self. So to that point, Sean, I mean, it really is, an, it, it's, it's an amazing distinction. So, you know, you've hit on the right it's a, thing. It's we, a big thing about where I'm at right now is this whole thing about yeah. one's really true self. And as, and as aware as I Get thought, it. as much of the onion as I thought had been peeled away, it, it, I'm amazed at how much more of it needs to continue to be peeled away. This Put it this way, everybody's in a closet of some kind, you know, um, that's it. More people need to come out to them, tr their true selves than ever. Yeah. 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 So with that, um, this is the portion of the show where, you know, we will ask the following question with context, which is, you know, our ability to change the world or make it a better place is based upon um, in some way, great or small, our willingness or ability to change ourselves. So with that said, Frank, if you could just give us one example, just one of a belief or a thought that you once truly and strongly believe 
but no longer believed to be true. And I wish I could be more spiritual with my answer. Uh, <laughs> I've been I've been thinking about it quite often, and and for some reason I I just get uh, this thought kept keeps on kept on coming up. So I'm just going to say it. Uh, I'm really upset at myself for believing that. Trump could be a good president. I thought that him being greedy for America and being a bully would be a good thing. I should have looked more inward and uh, realized I don't believe in that stuff. And uh, so basically- That's huge. But, but, but let me explain why. Not, and this has nothing to do with my political leanings or Brian's political leanings. And Brian, it's interesting. I was even thinking, you know, we don't manufacture anything on the show. We do it live. We do no editing whatsoever. And so what I'm about to say is not to sound contrived, but Brian and I have so much in common. Brian, I, I was thinking of, especially the episodes that we have where we don't have a guest and it's just us, we should think of things where our views are opposing because we don't have, we just, you know, there's something to get from that, especially learning from it. And where, and ordinarily I would be like, well, I don't know if we want to go someplace political, but what I think is so valuable about what you said is that him as a topic, it's such a lightning rod in, in that I think it's the, because of that, I think it's the greatest example of someone talking about a hill upon which they were willing to die and now don't want anything to do with that. And if every and if people are listening and they heard everything that you said coming up to that, you're not someone that doesn't take responsibility. You're not someone that just changes direction because oh, that's not a cool thing. You're someone that's reflective and 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 looking within. And I just think that that's um, this value in that. And it goes back to everything we talk about. And that questions are more yeah. powerful than statements. You know, we need to be more childlike and less childish. And and if anybody's listening and thinks, you know believing the opposite that we're not talking about a political belief. We're just talking about the ability to ask a question and look within um, it's immeasurable in value. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you're on. If you're, if you're willing to die on a hill and then just realize, wait, this is not the direction that I expected things to go. Mm -hmm. That's a change. And that requires introspection and, 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 you know, and, and, and thought and empathy and, you know, caring for others. Because you'd be willing to to change your to change your perspective based on what you what you've discovered. So that's awesome. And here's the here's the other thing about that too. There are those who will hear you say that that would have never voted for Trump, and when, and as a result, will go, oh my gosh, at least one of them came to their senses and blah blah blah. But here's the thing, even that is kind of the wrong approach because you should always be like, wait a minute, why do they think that way? Not why do they think that way? You know what I mean? So there should be. You should the question again more much more powerful than the statement. I so deeply appreciate that. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, that's no, that's it, it, it's beautiful. Uh, as we're as we're wrapping the show, thank you, Frank. That's by the way, not not a perspective that we have had anybody share on this really before. So, and we've had we've had somebody who's uh, running for office, the LA City Council. We've had the mayor of Burbank, California, on our show. Um, and uh, and really, politics has not been a very big um, a very big piece of what we do, and yet it's it, it is crazy because it's so pervasive and everything that's going on. Right. So it's it's fascinating. This has been an amazing conversation. I love uh, this. I'm going to put it up on the on the screen one more time um, to reach out to Frank uh, Zankich if uh, zankichlaw.com. 
if you're so inclined or you have a question or you need some you need some help and some support. Um, also, just to let folks know, uh, next week on the 20th, I'm going to be speaking uh, at the Wear uh, Advocacy Summit it's for you know rare disease, rare genetic disease. Um, uh, again, special needs folks dealing with financial financial matters and getting some support. I'll be speaking on a panel. I know on in October, uh, Sean is going to be doing um, a special needs advocacy. Um, uh, summit with a couple of folks, uh, estate planning and real estate and finances. Um, also want to share with you a couple things. We have a men's support group for dads, caregiving dads called The Den. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. Oh, no, I just went to the wrong spot. So, Sean, if you want to, if you haven't put it in the show notes, um, there's a form that folks can fill out if you're interested in being a, a, you know, participating in an open conversation with other dads. Um, there's, uh, again, Sean, you got all of those should put those on the, in the, in the footnotes, we've got links to yes. all of these things. Also on the 23rd next week, we are brave together. They're having their 5k event, not a race. It's a fundraising event to support moms of, uh, caregiving moms of, uh, of special needs children. So we do a lot uh, Sean and I sit on the board of, and, and are active in, in organizations that support this community. And so Frank, having, met you now and under and and knowing what is it you do and you know sharing the resource with folks as we're going to be doing uh just know that we're we're, we're happy to have have met you and had this conversation with you so people can understand where um uh what kind of support that you can give them Whew, on that note uh <laughs> yes yeah, great to have you um, i'll just say my last thing and i'm with sean to, to to thank you uh once and for all and to thank everybody for listening and tuning in um but you know empathy and love i will say this about you frank is that the one thing that i and i've been around lawyers for a very 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 long time and it's hard to find uh an attorney and it's just nature of the of the practice i think um that has the empathy and care and love uh, that you express. And so I'm grateful to you for, for doing that. And for me, that's a big thing. If you empathy and love is always, you know, be empathetic about somebody else's situation. You don't know what they're going through. So have some empathy. And if you look at the world through the lenses of love, the world is just a better place. So thank you for everything that you do. So to Sean to, to close us out, you know, I didn't mention Billy footwear, Sean, you can mention Billy footwear. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, if Billy footwear is, uh, they're a partner of ours. They make adaptive footwear uh, for those that have uh, disabilities. If you click on the link, which you'll find in the show notes and then on the screen uh, at the moment as well, if you're actually looking um, at the episode, you'll get 10% off. They're a fantastic organization. And then, well, uh, the, um, the event that Brian's talking about in October that I'm doing with friends of ours, um, that uh, registration link on Eventbrite goes live at noon our time, so in about two minutes. And, you know, it feels wonderfully weird. Brian just mentioned an event that he's doing, one that I'm doing. Um, we usually do everything together in terms of our speaking engagements and things like that. But what's happening is we found ourselves in a situation where we've been forced to conquer and divide. And so what I'm going to say right here now in front of everyone is, Brian, I appreciate you immensely. And I would say to everyone, you know, find someone with who you can lock arms and become a warrior against um, uh, wage war against mediocrity and add service to other people. It is such a fulfilling feeling and knowing that you're doing effort to make a difference, but you've got someone that's got your back and they're doing the same thing, fighting your fight with you, even when you're not physically in the same place. The other thing I want to say is 
everyone within the sound of my voice, thank you so much for this platform. We have some great things planned for the future. Uh, we're going to have another summit that will take place towards the end of uh, or the beginning of the year. And again, remember, questions are more powerful than statements. Um, let's be more childlike, less childish. Frank, thank you so much for your time today. And to everyone within the sound of my voice, we love you. Thank you. We love you. Thank you, Frank. See you all. And thanks to